Welcome to the Marco to Podcast. I am your host, Sergio Delamo. I am here today with uh, Marcos Lobo. Hello, Marcos. Uh, how are you? Hello, Sergio. Happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Can you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure thing. Uh, my name is Marcos, Marcos Lobo. I'm uh, a tech lead at Nextin. I've been working at Nextin uh, since uh, around six uh, plus years. I started as a senior software, uh, senior software engineer, and nowadays I'm working as a tech lead uh, for a couple of uh, teams uh, here in Madrid and also one team in, in Bangalore. What does uh, Nextin do? Mm, that's a very interesting question, uh, Sergio. Nextin uh, is highlighted because is the light and customers as work, okay? Uh, is uh, enabling visibility into the de detection of issues, real-time alerting, diagnosis, analysis, and also very important automation and remediation. This means that our, our customers are able to know and understand and actually act based on the information that the Nextin product does, provides, meaning that uh, they will, they will save, save money in the sense of, you know, Nowadays, uh, you have any issue with your laptop, for example, uh, I don't know, Outlook or whatever is not working properly, and today you have to open a ticket to your IT department, and you know there is a ping pong over there um, going on forward. Uh, with Nexting, uh, that uh, time is dramatically reduced thanks to the amount of information that the Nexting is able to, to get to provide to, to our customers in order for them to, to solve it. Because it's not all not only uh, capable to get that information, but also solve it in a, in an automatic way. So it's a, correct me if I understand, mm -hmm. so it's a business to business company. So you sell to, to I assume, quite big clients, right? Indeed. Nowadays, uh, even though Nextin is a Swiss company, nowadays we are in uh, in the US market and we are targeting the big, big customers. You can see some of the logos that we have in the in the nexting.com uh, webpage and uh, what we have is a is our own product and we say uh, we will we sell it uh, directly to to our customers and the product is like a mix of so software that you install in the in the company's um, computers but also i assume there is like a cloud component as well exactly sergio uh, today uh, of course we have a, a small and, and very very light component that is installed Within the devices of the different uh, uh, of of the of, of the customers, so from there we are able to to get the information, and after that we have a, a stream-based uh, modern cloud-native uh, platform based on, on microservices architecture that is able to uh, get that information, process it, and offer the information in a in a web application, actually in a set of web products that Nextin offers nowadays to our customers. So in agenda, we actually don't have anything scheduled. That's something that we should schedule probably soon, uh, any training or uh, talk. I wanted to highlight a couple of things. Two patch versions since we last uh, talked in the podcast. So we released Micro 3.8.1 and Micro 3.8.2. Uh, this is patch version, so uh, upgrades should be seamless. Um, we have also like patch patch fixes in several modules uh, comes to mind. We had uh, an issue with Microsecurity when you had, uh, for example, to uh, open ID clients, um, so that's fixed. Uh, we have a couple of patch versions in servlet as well. And there are a couple of small fixes in data. So if you are in 3.8, please do upgrade. It would be, as I said, uh, seamless. If you are in 3.7, this is a good opportunity uh, for me to plug 3.8 and check the, I will include a link to the, the 3.8 release uh, blog post. We have um, 
several nice features we talked into the last uh, podcast episode. So I'm not going to repeat myself, but please um, check it out. Uh, I am going to include also a link in the in the podcast show notes uh, to a talk that I delivered uh, last week in the uh, Kotlin Brighton uh, user group. It was an online talk. <clears throat> it was my first time delivering a talk in Kotlin, and I think it went fine. It was like a one-on-one talk, so uh, I guess that's my Kotlin level uh, reaches. But Kotlin uh, is quite exciting in, in my code framework community. So we see based on the number of issues and the number of projects generated in my code launch that Kotlin uh, is, uh, so Java is the, the most used language when working with MyCode, but Kotlin is uh, widely used as well. It is true that Kotlin um, has some nice features that uh, make MyCode applications like extremely succinct. Um, so if you are want to learn more about MyCode, uh, whether you know Kotlin or not, uh, I guess that's like a good um, introductory talk. Um, I wanted to use also the podcast to say it to any uh, Java user group or Kotlin user group or Groovy user group organizers, I am completely available to do any online talk or, or on-site if, if I can be there. Um, so we have any topic uh, around MyCon. We have many modules. Uh, so there are, uh, whatever the, the taste of your user group is, whether you want to talk about Micronaut, about Micronaut and GraalVM, about uh, Micronaut and Kotlin, Micronaut and Groovy, Micronaut Data, for example, is quite interesting topic as well. Micronaut Data Slam, that we have like a huge community there, um, but anything that you can imagine. So we have more than 50 modules. Um, yeah, overwhelming sometimes, the number of technologies we integrate with. So if uh, anyone wants uh, uh, to have like an online talk, please reach me out and uh, we'll happily um, organize that. That's how the talk in the in the Brighton um, Colin user group happened. I was like just drinking a coffee with the organizer, and he told me like they organized the Colin user group, and I say if you are interested, please let me know. And and that happened. Do you have anything else that you would like to uh, call the audience to any meetup talk? Do you organize the Asturias? Yes, actually, I, I personally organize uh, what is the Cloud Native Asturias, which is an official uh, community group from the CNCNF, uh, the, the Cloud Native and, 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 and Computing Foundation. Uh, we are like uh, almost three years now actually uh, working, working on this, providing uh, talks with international people plus people from, from the region, from Asturias, because our goal there is, is try to put Asturias in the uh, worldwide uh, technology map. So we are we are working on that. Actually, we had a, a couple of, of meetings and uh, uh, a couple of sessions and talks about Micronaut. Uh, people uh, working on, on on this plus uh, cloud things. So yeah, there, there we are. Yeah, Micronaut supports uh, all clouds or all clouds. I would like to say the the biggest clouds. We have like some native integrations. We have integration with AWS, with mm -hmm. Google Cloud, with Azure. And with Oracle Cloud, so yeah, if you are like, if you have like a user group as uh, Marcos has, which is like not pure Java, but is like cloud, uh, but you mm -hmm. want to see like uh, how can a JVM shop deploy to clouds using Micronaut, uh, please, by all means, shout to us. Uh, I can myself or put you in contact with someone uh, from the team as Marcos said, who can help you organize a talk. Sure. Um, Asturias, for those who don't know, is in the north of Spain. Uh, quite beautiful. Uh, really not so hot as the rest of Spain. <laughs> so it's quite uh, nice to go. I went in the summer, actually, to Asturias. In, indeed. <laughs> Many people does. 
You're you based in Madrid right now, Marcos? Right now, we are based in Madrid. The Next in Office uh, started in, in Madrid in 2016. And uh, yeah, we started like uh, five, uh, six uh, persons in the R&D uh, department. And now we are more than, than 80, 80-something, 80 almost almost 100. So yeah, uh, based on, on Madrid nowadays. Let's move to, to talk about MyCode and Next thing. How did NextThink discover MyCode framework? How do you started working with the framework? That's a very interesting uh, um, story, actually. Our, um, our former uh, architect lead, uh, David Nemesasi, uh, based on Lausanne, uh, at some point attended, I think was to the DevOps uh, meeting, something like that. And I think was talking to, um, uh, I think was Grimm. Grimm, uh, yeah, yeah, probably. Exa exactly. Uh, he was doing a talk, as far as I recall, and uh, uh, David uh, from Nextin saw, okay, this is, this is an interesting topic. This is an interesting framework. And at that time, he, he came to, to Nextin and said, hey, uh, we have to start uh, having some kind of uh, framework, like out of the box, like default framework to implement our microservices for this new, brand new platform that we will start to build uh, right now. And uh, at some point, I remember that also we were discussing about the possibility of, of having this, um, I don't recall the, the other name of uh, the, the other framework. Uh, it's more, it's, I think it's supported by, by Red Hat. As far as, Quarkus, as, probably. Quarkus, exactly. So at some point we started, you know, uh, doing some POCs between uh, Micronaut and, and Quarkus. And at the end of the day, we decided to go with uh, with Micronaut because we, we saw it uh, like uh, more solid. Uh, the amount of integration that uh, the framework had at that time and today, uh, it seems uh, to be very, very interesting, very focused on the cloud, which was uh, one of the main points that we had uh, at that time in the, in the head. And, uh, and yeah, uh, after that, uh, there, there we are. What was the experience of the people in the company with other frameworks? So were you like uh, people coming from Spring yes. or from other frameworks? Or? Yes, actually, that, that was uh, one of the reasons because we, we were, uh, you know, discussing about uh, Micronaut, Quarkus, because both of them uh, could be, let's say, easily onboarded from uh, people that work uh, in a Spring. You know, at the time of hiring, it's very easy uh, even though uh, the hiring experience that we have in the last uh, three, four years is that, okay, maybe not much people uh, know uh, Micronaut, but they know uh, Spring. So uh, when you show the, the code and so on and so forth, the onboarding is pretty, pretty easy. Yeah, I think uh, one of the advantages of Micronaut is that uh, so Spring is great and they did many great things. Mm -hmm. The core development team of the framework came from, from the Grails framework. Uh, which since version 3 is built on top of Spring Boot. Uh, so we liked many things from Spring and we didn't want to reinvent the wheel on those things. Coming from Spring, you're going to see that there are some concepts that are basically almost identical. So, I mean, the concept of the controller is uh, identical. I mean, the annotation is not identical. We use like uh, add controller, but uh, uh, the idea is there. Uh, configuration is quite similar as well. So there are many concepts. So I like to say that the the if you are you have experience with Spring, don't be intimidated. This is gonna be like a, the learning curve for you should be easy. Uh, at least that what we try to to achieve. Uh, and when learn from the great things that other frameworks have and try to build on top of them. 
So when was that around? Like when did you start using the framework around? Let's say uh, I think this uh, this started around uh, 18, 19, more or less. So my got one probably. Uh, yes, definitely. I can tell you. Yes, 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 yes. The, the first version uh, we started to 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 work on on that, uh, starting with the POC, because at that time was the time on which uh, we started to move from on-premise product to uh, to the modern uh, cloud platform, uh, cloud native platform that we have uh, nowadays. And indeed, we started from the beginning. I remember myself and my team working and finding some, you know, some bugs and reporting to the community. I, remember, I think it was was you, Ivan, and I think Alvaro as well at that time in the chat. Hey guys, uh, please report an issue in GitHub, and uh, you apply the patch. We get the back, and and we solve the, the situation very very smooth, by the way. So congratulations uh, for that, by the way, eh, about the community that you have. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. So you mentioned before, like. For the POC, you were like, you were looking for a framework to build microservices. Is that the kind of architecture that you are following, like microservices architecture? Exactly that. Exactly that. Uh, what we have is a, a streaming-based uh, platform on top of, uh, let's say, with with a uh, microservice architecture uh, in, in mind. Meaning that we are using uh, Kafka's technology, and on top of that, uh, we have a set of uh, actually a huge. I would say a huge amount of uh, microservices. I can tell you uh, today I, I counted around almost uh, 200 microservices deployed. I can tell you 99% of them are Micronaut based uh, uh, microservices. So all of them they are playing with uh, with the Java streams. Uh, sorry, with the with the Kafka streams, uh, Kafka topics, uh, some databases, and so on and so forth. Yeah, we we have many people that. Um that used MyCode and Kafka. And we heard from them, especially initially when the framework was released, we heard a lot of people. We even have some, um, I th- we saw that that was being used, that we have even some uh, archetypes when you go to launch.myco.io to generate like a Kafka uh, consumer without even an HTTP server. So that's great to hear. Um, which modules are you using in those? Which features of MyCode are you using in those uh, microservices? You, you told me Kafka. Are you using MyCode Kafka? Yes, actually, we are using Micronaut Kafka. Uh, I can tell you it's, it's one of the most uh, u- used um, plugins, I mean, integrations that we are using from, from Micronaut. Uh, for the uh, production and consumer uh, approaches is, is the one. I can tell you uh, in the first version of the Micronaut, uh, when we went to Kafka Streams, we had to go directly to the to the official SDK because some of the capabilities that the streams uh, provided uh, in the SDK were not available yet on on the integration. But I can tell you, uh, Kafka is one of one of them. Uh, of course, Micronode Data. Uh, we were very happy when uh, you released the Micronode Data. Uh, we started uh, using the uh, GPA version of the Micronode Data. But uh, after uh, we we went to uh, to production, we faced uh, some uh, performance situations with the GPA, and we realized that uh, the GDBC implementation for Micronaut Data was the way to go. And actually, the performance was dramatically improved thanks to that. Just as a small note so for the audience is because um, this is something sometimes a bit complicated to. So Micronaut Data is kind of an umbrella of flavors, I like to say. So Micronaut Data comes in different flavors. What Marcos was uh, describing is. We have MicroData JPA, uh, which uses Hibernate uh, under the hood. Um, it allows you to work with a repository pattern, uh, but you are working with Hibernate. If you need to get grab of an entity manager, you can do that. And it has the advantages and the disadvantages of working with Hibernate. We have another flavor, which is MicroData JDBC, 
where you don't have a Hibernate, you you go more, so you are using JDBC, right? Uh, so it's a bit more raw, but thanks to the repository pattern, that what I tell people is don't be intimidated by using microdata JDBC because most of the time uh, you are going to be writing the same repositories that you will write with microdata JPA. And if you need to write like a native query, you can do it with uh, add query. Uh, and for especially for like read applications, read heavy applications, it's going to be extremely faster than microdata JPA. We have other flavors. We have microdata uh, MongoDB, microdata um, R2DBC, and we have also microdata Cosmos DB, which actually is a feature of Micro 3.8. Uh, so if you are looking for working with a non-SQL database, but they still use some of the some of the repository pattern capabilities, uh, that's available for you. That's a great story about microdata. Thanks for saying that. What else are you using? So microdata, microkafka? Yeah, of course, uh, modules about, uh, you know, observability. We are using Seekin and Prometheus in order to to, to spread the, the tracing and, and the metrics uh, across the, the platform for the observability uh, system that we, we have in place. Uh, for example, uh, I can tell you nowadays uh, we are trying to move uh, to start using the Kubernetes integration that Micronet has nowadays. We have started with the official SDK. Uh, I can tell you why. Uh, because at the beginning was like, um, let's say, pretty straightforward. It's true that the SDKs nowadays are very advanced, so the onboarding of that uh, is, is, very, is very straightforward. However, uh, we want to, you know, reduce a little bit the, the delta, the, the scope of, uh, of the amount of technologies that we have. So we will try to start uh, relying on the integration about Kubernetes. Also, uh, for example, we are using the, the integration with uh, Lambdas, uh, Amazon Web Services Lambdas. We have uh, some. We are starting a little bit on that, uh, creating a small, small uh, Lambdas with uh, with Micronaut. It's working well. I can tell you uh, from from the experience that we we got. And um, yeah, basically that's that's in the type of modules that we are using. Uh, Kafka, Data, Josipkin, Prometheus, Prometheus. Uh, how are you securing the microservices? Are you using microsecurity or are you? <laughs> in this case, uh, what we are doing, we are we are using part of the uh, micro security because, um, as as you probably can imagine, uh, the the microservices that we are deploying in Kubernetes, uh, we have a let's say a custom Docker image. Okay, mm -hmm. in that custom Docker image, we have a set of uh, security measures, uh, libraries, custom libraries, and so on and so forth. That's the case for the security. We have uh, with we have our own system for for security and authorization, and we are relying on those libraries that we we are building. You are deploying to AWS based on what you yes. said, right? Correct, correct. It's the it's the platform, it's the cloud provider that we are using nowadays. We are we are very happy actually. It's uh, very suitable for for what we have, and uh, putting more numbers just in case the audience is interested. As I mentioned before. Uh, we have uh, around 200 uh, microservices and we are playing with uh, at, at least uh, 10 regions across the world. Nice. So uh, I can tell you next thing uh, could be seen as a big player in terms of uh, Micronaut uh, onboarding. Absolutely, yeah. So one of the goals for this year is to have people, not just the people like the core development team talking about Micronaut, but people actually using Micronaut for real, yeah, which are the more interesting people in the podcast, <laughs> and, and that's why I wanted to talk to you. Uh, we have heard about many big companies and many big deployments. Uh, yours is one pretty mm -hmm. big, I have to say, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's great to hear people like using the framework for real. 
Are you using uh, Amazon Elastic Kubernetes Service AKS? No, uh, yes, exactly, exactly that. <laughs> Are you sending emails? Does your product send emails? Oh, that's that's a very good question. Uh, I remember uh, a feature that we had. We started, uh, I think it was in 2020, that uh, we started to use uh, this um, Amazon simple email. Simple email service. Exactly. I don't know if we are still using that. And I can tell you we struggle a, a little bit with, with that. Uh, but I, I, I don't remember right now if uh, it's still ongoing. Yeah. Uh, for those uh, who have the need of sending emails from the application and who, who doesn't, uh, we have like a module called Microsoft Email, which integrates with Amazon Email Service, but with other uh, transactional email providers. So if you want to, use, to integrate with um, Simple Email Service, with Postmark, SendGrid, MailJet, uh, and if you want to send emails using Java Mail uh, and use, for example, your uh, Gmail account, we, we support that. Uh, Uh, what we do provide for companies um, or for developers uh, is like um, an easy API. So you just basically, it has like a fluid API, like as you can imagine, like email to subject content. Uh, we support attachments as well. Uh, and typically what you have to do is like just that configuration for this integration. So if you are like using simple email service, Uh, you, you either have to have like an access key and access secret key or or be deployed in an instance which has an IMN role which allows you to send an email or if you are using MailJet, you probably need like the API key um, <clears throat> available. And another nice feature that we support is often when you send transactional emails, uh, they have like a an HTML template, right? Where it has maybe the logo of the company and some colors and structure. And uh, we integrate with microviews. So you could have like um, the template uh, with your favorite uh, template rendering engine. So if you want to have like a template built with Timeleaf or with um, handlebars or something like that, um, you can use that in combination with microtml. Um, same same way as you will like render an HTML page. If you have worked with uh, HTML emails, you know that they are ugly. Um, so anything that you can do to streamline that process. Uh, Of filling those templates, that's um, that's a nice one. How are you deploying those microservices? So you tell me, like, to Kubernetes, are you de like deploying like a, a Java applications? Are you using GraalVM? Mm -hmm. uh, that's an interesting topic. Uh, yeah, we are we are deploying the the microservices uh, uh, using uh, the Terraform uh, with Helm because at the end of the day we we build the the, the Java a jar. Mm -hmm. uh, on, of course, uh, we deliver in, in Kubernetes, meaning a Docker, a Docker image. On top of Kubernetes, we are using Helm, and using Terraform, we are able to deliver the, the Helm into the Amazon Web Services AKS. Uh, from, for that, in order to orchestrate all, all that, uh, nowadays we are using uh, Jenkins, which is, uh, even though it is like a very long and very known uh, in, in the market for so long time, Uh, we know that there are other, uh, let's say, ma more modern uh, tools like Argo CD or even Flux for, for the entire cluster or something like that. But uh, maybe in the future, we are nowadays, we feel comfortable with, with Jenkins. We are exploring other possibilities uh, with, uh, as I said, more, more modern. But nowadays, it's, it's very suitable for, for us. If it works for you, that's, that's the, the, best, the best reason to, to stay with the technology. If it works, it works. Indeed. <laughs> What are your uh, what are the your favorite features of the framework? For me, one one thing that I, I always like to highlight about about Micronaut is the again uh, we mentioned before 
the easy easy path for the onboarding. I mean, uh, it's very uh, let's say intuitive uh, to implement. Even though uh, if you are coming from Spring or or even you are you are not uh, build a REST API is pretty simple. You have a controller, you have the service layer, you have the repository. One, two, three out of the box is is pretty easy. Also in terms of the bootstrap, thanks to the to the commands that you provide in the in the official documentation and so on and so forth, having a, an application up and running uh, with Netty and, and so on is pretty, pretty straightforward. So that uh, ramp up, that onboarding for me is one of the things that I, I really loved as well. Uh, also, uh, the amount of integrations, and I can imagine maybe you can tell me, Sergio, the amount of integrations that you have uh, is is very is very good for for us let's say for the consumers of the framework but i can imagine it's a huge challenge for for you guys as, as core developers is yeah yeah <laughs> i can tell you is um as i said sometimes we are not using it maybe that could be a, a good question the, the why uh, but uh, that's what i why i like to to highlight about micro uh, maybe technically speaking we can uh, you know talk to come more but for me when you are a co- in a company, what you want to, to have is something that works and works fast. And the onboarding for the people is like, like, uh, like very, very easy. Yeah, I agree. I always say like, for me, the, the, my, the, my favorite feature is that um, it is fast and it is fast and that makes you, and I am not really preoccupied for like running fast on times of a startup in production, but in terms of writing tests. Yeah. So I think that the the way that it starts fast, it makes people like write more tests. So I I see myself. I write many more functional tests than I used to. Definitely. Um, so I barely write almost no unit tests nowadays. I I almost write all my tests are like functional tests and kind of gives you like a a feeling of uh, being more safe hmm. because you are like really testing your application from the outside and and more more thoroughly than. Is that's pretty straightforward once again. Either you are using JUnit or you are using a Spock uh, framework, is is very easy to to use. So your coverage is 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 let's say covered very very fast with with that. And I want to answer as well the, your second question about Gralvian because we recently have a, an experience with this. Um, at next thing we have every year what we call Innovaton. At the end of the day, is a hackathon on which uh, all the all the dev teams uh, join together. Uh, in order to innovate a little bit the product uh, with uh, very smart people and, and very imaginative uh, solutions. One of those uh, in this this year, actually, I think was uh, in, in December, was about, okay, we know that Micronaut out of the box is pretty fast, uh, low footprint and this kind of stuff, which is, which is a, a reality. And that's why also another reason because we choose uh, chosen this, this technology. So we said, okay, but uh, hey, a Graal VM that looks like uh, pretty nice, uh, like uh, solving even more more problems in terms of a startup. Like for example, okay, maybe we can use Graal VM for Lambdas because we need a quick fast, a quick uh, startup. Also, why not as uh, many as uh, normal, let's say microservices because when we you want to scale up, you want to be fast on that. Uh, the reality was that, and um, that was a surprise for us, when we run, I'm talking about Graal VM, let's say open source version, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we run uh, the Graal VM uh, build, let's say in local, a pure Java, indeed, that was super, super fast. And the footprint, once again, was uh, super, super low. However, when we put that within the Kubernetes, 
we actually been very very surprised that actually the performance was a bit different uh, that uh, that expected in the sense of kind of similar to a normal uh, GVM uh, uh, micro node thingy. And I can tell you that in this exercise, uh, what we did actually was not me, was uh, another team uh, led uh, by by Pelayo Lartategui within the company that. Um, there is like, a, if I recall properly, there is like a tutorial about GraalVM and put, okay, put in, in, a, in your code this algorithm because it's suitable and you will see the high performance of the GraalVM and so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, actually, yes, running as a Java application, yes, work perfect and as expected, as I mentioned. But when you put it in Kubernetes, actually the, the performance was not, uh, not like uh, the one that expected. And that was interesting insight. Uh, yeah, I don't know about the example. Um, so, uh, so Java, when you are running like long time applications, uh, so it will get like a lot of uh, performance, basically in JIT as well. Um, with GraalVM, what we see is you are going to get lower memory consumption and much faster startup time. <laughs> so, and sometimes those are really important for us, and GraalVM is the only place that allows you to. Uh, to go there, right? So, mm -hmm. if you are, for example, we were talking about Lambda, um, where you are going to have some cold startup scenarios, not many, but you are going to have some. Mm -hmm. uh, their startup time is is crucial, right? Absolutely. And the Lambda is going to be turned down in 15 minutes. So you don't if the perform. So when you have like an application running 24 hours seven, the startup time maybe is not as important for you. Mm -hmm. And what you are care is about the longest standing performance. And in those scenarios, um, I think Java is quite capable of. Mm -hmm. GraalVM in those scenarios, I think, is going to bring you like a, a, a lower memory footprint as well. Yeah. When you combine both, then it's a killer feature. So when you combine like the requirement of having like the requirement for a co really a cold startup and a mm -hmm. lower memory footprint, uh, GraalVM is going to sign. But as you said, so try it for yourself. Uh, see if it works for... Uh, your application requirements. Uh, the good news is uh, my code is really well suited for GraalVM because we avoid reflection like the plague. So it's not that GraalVM doesn't... So GraalVM works with reflection. You just have to whitelist your reflection usages. Mm -hmm. Whether you want to use my code in your Java or uh, with GraalVM, uh, hopefully we will uh, have you covered in both scenarios. Uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, because I forgot, is... Uh, so... What are you using as, uh, are you programming your micro applications with Java, with Groovy, or with Kotlin? That, that's a good one. Uh, nowadays, we are using Java. Uh, and I can tell you why, because um, uh, some people, for example, uh, start to say, hey, why we, we don't start with uh, Kotlin, for example, this, this kind of stuff. And, and basically, this is kind of a governance uh, decision, uh, because at the end of the day, in a company like Nesting, that nowadays we are pretty close, I think, to 1,000 people. In engineering, we are we are a lot, actually. Uh, we have a, a huge uh, and an important uh, number uh, for, for, for the team, for the R&D department. Uh, the decision was, okay, let's, let's, let's try to be smart. At the end of the day, the experience is about Java. Uh, the people that can find in the market is about Java. Uh, so let's, let's continue like that. It's not like Kotlin is, is, is not cool or is not uh, suitable for the use cases. But let's say it's a... Is is a decision that uh, could bring more more value for us? Java has a good value for companies in the terms that, as you say, the workforce is wider and it is easier to hire 
eh, Java developers out of the box without need to train them, eh, Dan Colin developers or Groovy developers, eh, I hear you. Which Java version are you using? That's uh, that's a good one as well. Uh, nowadays we are moving to uh, to the last one, three point eight. Even though, as as I said, with the amount of uh, microservices that we have, it's not it's not easy to keep the pace that you guys uh, have in the <laughs> in the releases. Uh, I can tell you more or less we are between the the last uh, version of the dot uh, of two uh, something like that, and we are starting with the three uh, something as well. So we are, we are we are in transition. It's it's a bit uh, we are not uh, fast enough in terms of uh, migrating to the latest versions. I, I wanted to ask you a follow up question to that, but uh, uh, which Java version are you using? Are you using seventeen, eleven, eight? Now we are moving to to seventeen. We are uh, basically in in eleven. And we are moving to 17. This is a bit of topic, but what's the in such a so you told me like you have like around 200 microservices. Mm -hmm. Is are those microservices like um, so? Is the responsibility of each of the developers of those microservices to upgrade to the latest versions of micro and other transitive dependencies? Are all like updated? Are you saying like okay, now we are going to update all the 200 to the new version, or is is the upgrade path different between? Between services, I think uh, is uh, you know uh, we are working in in, in agile teams and uh, every single team owns a set of, of microservices within the platform. Mo many of the times they are pretty related and uh, we have a focus on on each team. Meaning that uh, unless some you know security problem comes, uh, maybe you remember, I think it was like uh, two years ago. I think it was about uh, log. Log for you. Exactly. You know, that uh, security team comes. Guys, we have to upgrade this like right now. Unless that, uh, we, we try to keep the pace, uh, uh, let's say, team by team. The last question that I have is, uh, or, or a couple of questions is, mm. what are you missing in the framework and what could we do better? No, that's that's very good one. Uh, even though, uh, as, as I said about GraalVM, I wanted to, to remark that uh, we are we are watching this technology. GraalVM, we are watching this technology. Uh, we really believe that uh, is uh, is definitely part of the future of of uh, of the technology and also with with the framework. In terms of what to improve, I can tell you that uh, we are working uh, very close with the with the documentation that you have nowadays. In that documentation, we can find a, a lot of information. Okay, how to set up the S3, uh, Amazon S3 um, integration or something like that. And one thing that we realized that uh, the amount of concrete examples like, okay, you want to, to get a, a document from the S3 using this, uh, this integration. Okay, how can we do that? Okay, if you don't have experience with the original or the, the, the source uh, SDK, uh, you, maybe you are not able to figure it out how to do it with the integration from Micronaut. If you do, maybe maybe yes. But the, those concrete examples, I think, is something that could be useful for the community to have in the official documentation as well. The way that I want to solve this issue is, um, so we have two documentations. Typically have like two documentations. Uh, one is what we call the reference documentation. So if you go to docs.micronaut.io and you go to AWS, we have like Micronaut AWS integration documentation. And you are going to find that section there for S3. Mm -hmm. But uh, for tutorials, we have like this uh, guides.micro.io. Correct. And the issue that we have is that we are not cross-linking mm -hmm. uh, as well as we should from each other. Uh, so if you go to the S3, for example, we, you should see like examples. We have like, a, for example, like a guide 
to use True. Uh, object storage with S3. True. We have like another one to show like use like S3 with Lambda. Mm -hmm. But the problem is I I know that those guides exist because I maybe read them or write them or review them. Yeah. But normal users don't. Uh, and I understand it. Um, and we have like more than 100 guides uh, and a lot of modules. So kind of allowing users to discover the information that exists is, mm -hmm. is key for us. And what you said is completely true. We have to create like tutorials, uh, especially for the simple things mm -hmm. that people are going to do in the day-to-day. -day. But yeah, I think our the solution for us would be like, so we have this infrastructure called MyCode Guides, which are tutorials with downloadable solutions. Mm -hmm. So this is like a, a code that you can download and check uh, mm -hmm. and maybe even use some parts of the code in your project. But we have to make those guides discoverable. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Sergio, one, one interesting thing for, for from my experience uh, with the documentation from Micronaut, again, I think you have a great documentation. The reference, I think, is, is great. And the examples uh, I find uh, useful as well. I can tell you uh, for something, some the technologies that I was uh, not uh, used to, to use, uh, the, the, the guide that you provide was, was enough. Uh, in other situations, we saw that more complex examples would be useful as well. For example, yeah. I remember myself when we, uh, when I mentioned before, moving from GPA to GDBC using the Micronode data, more uh, advanced uh, examples uh, maybe could be useful for the community because uh, from my experience, people that is getting uh, or, or start using Micronode, they probably have experience already with other frameworks. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, I, I know how to do the basics. Give me something more advanced maybe it's, it's something to, to consider as well. Yeah, I think we have, I think you're absolutely right. We did a micro data training uh, past year and I got that feedback. Like um, we have to do like more advanced training as well. Uh, so I think we, ha we have to do both. Yeah, makes sense. I think at the end of the day, we have to do like, I think we have to do, um, uh, assuming that some people are going to come into the framework without any uh, background on JVM frameworks. Uh, and for those people, we have to guide them step by step. Uh, don't assume like they are used to dependency injection and things like that. And for others, as you say, uh, where we have uh, modules which are um, quite powerful, uh, like microdata or microsecurity, uh, we have to explain because sometimes, so in many of those frameworks, um, we have to give, we have to be quite flexible, right? Because True. each company uses microsecurity in a different yeah. way. Uh, so we ha you have to provide some defaults, but also like be flexible enough to allow you to write your own. Um, because yeah, it's impossible to like cater to uh, to every use case. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think we have to do both. I think uh, that's great feedback uh, that we have to like improve uh, the advanced documentation as well. The basic examples are great. I can tell you, and uh, from here, I, I would like to recommend the, the the listeners, the audience of this podcast. Uh, to, to use the, these uh, guidelines that uh, Micronaut provides, I really see it very useful, for example, in the, on, in the onboarding. In the onboarding plan that I have for my teams, we have uh, the links to your documentation about how to do the hello world for gRPC, the hello world for the GraphQL, this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, please, if you are like starting to Micronaut, go to, or if you are like uh, already like a Micronaut user, go to guide.micronaut.io. Uh, we, for example, recently published a guide that has been a long time on draft, uh, uh, but we is now published is uh, micro data with uh, R2DBC, 
uh, which is quite exciting. And we have uh, many users using that technology. You can have like a pure reactive application if that's what you are looking for uh, with MyCode from the controller layer until the persistent layer. Uh, so we have integration with uh, MyCode Data R2DBC, but also with uh, MyCode Data Hibernate Reactive as well. Um, so yeah, uh, that's great feedback, Marcos. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to talk about before we wrap the podcast? No, I think that's uh, that's all, uh, Sergio. As 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 I said before, uh, Nesting uh, is is playing hard with uh, with the Micronaut. We are providing feedback in the community when we find uh, bugs, which is not common, by the way. <laughs> uh, we we talk to to you guys in the community. And uh, so far, I can tell you, we are using Micronaut from uh, more than three years, and uh, I think it's a it's a it's a good thing. It's, it's something uh, technology that definitely uh, brings value to us. Thank you, I appreciate it a lot. I would like to thank everyone for listening to the episode. But before we wrap up, I'm gonna uh, thank the sponsors. Uh, I would like to thank the Micod Foundation's sponsors. Uh, so I would like to thank our uh, corporate sponsors, Object Computing. Um, Safri.net, uh, Oracle, which is our engineering partner, uh, HyphenQ, um, JetBrains, and Gradle uh, for providing us a Gradle uh, Enterprise. Um, and I am forgetting some sponsors, so let me pull the MicroStream, which is our silver sponsors. Uh, and they, we have a great integration with MicroStream to do like persistence uh, staying in Java. Uh, quite exciting. Uh, Visor Games also, we have, I mean, it shouldn't be surprising, but it's always surprising to me. Uh, games companies, they are, uh, the game industry is huge. And as you can imagine, whenever we play a game, there is like a backend server, like which has your profiles and, uh, and all of those. And we have seen many games companies using MyCode as their framework of choice for the backends. And Visor Games is one of those companies and they, a sponsor of the foundation. So many, many thanks to uh, all of the sponsors of the foundation. And many thanks also to the community sponsors. Without you, um, the development and the advocacy of the framework will not be possible. So thanks uh, to all of you. And thanks again, uh, Marcos, for taking the time to be with me today. Sure. Keep listening to the podcast. I'm using uh, micro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.